Mouse to Mouse, Episode 2, The Plan. The vast majority of the readers of this book will doubtless be aware of a well-known and oft-quoted proverb by the ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, which suggests that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Probably with good reason, the readership would be able to count on the fingers of no hands the number who have heard of the words of wisdom of a certain southwest London philosopher when he states that a journey of just under 4,000 miles begins with a cup of tea, some generic baked goods and a laptop while sat at my kitchen table. It's probably worth a passing mention, given the title and nature of this book, that the kitchen in question features classic Mickey Mouse wallpaper and an oversized figurine of the aforementioned rodent. A campaign of the magnitude and foolishness of the road trip chronicled within these pages simply cannot be undertaken lightly. This is a truth that is even more self-evident when it is being attempted with an 11-year-old girl and her 4-year-old brother in tow. Sure, if my wife and myself were heading across America unfettered by the demands of parenthood, we could probably just book a flight and a rental car and make it up as we went along. We could, but we almost certainly wouldn't. For if we, or perhaps it would be more accurate to say I, were in the movie Divergent, rather than being sorted into erudite or dauntless, I would be placed squarely in a faction called Obsessive. For here is my abject confession. My name is Lee, and I'm a planner. Now, When I say that I'm a planner, I don't mean that I have coordinated flights and hotels and worked out a route across the country, although I have of course done both. The art of a plan, particularly one for such an elaborate trip in my world, is to balance spontaneity and an organised schedule. It's easy when drawing up such a programme to forget that the ultimate objective for the whole family is to have an enjoyable vacation. This sounds pretty obvious and relatively simple until you consider that the travelling party consists of four related but diverse human beings. First up, a 40-something, me, with an inordinate fascination for Disneyana, General Americana and the full gamut of popular music. My idea of a good time on this trip might consist of anything from wandering down Main Street USA to visiting Hank Williams' grave. The second member of this particular Fab Four is my wife Sarah. She is of course ageless and growing younger and more beautiful with each birthday. This, apart from the getting younger bit, is actually true, but the fact that I'm going to be travelling next to her in a car that she'll be driving for the best part of 4,000 miles means that it is a particularly good idea for me to say so in print. She isn't quite as much of a Disney obsessive as me. She doesn't teach a course about it, for instance. But Walt's legacy has played almost as significant a part in her life, and I can be pretty confident that she will enjoy and appreciate the parks and most of the walks in his footsteps. She is, however, far less enamoured of the city than me, and will probably feel a great deal more comfortable when surrounded by miles of open countryside. She also has a very different taste in music than the raucous row that I am sometimes inclined towards and won't want to spend too much time taking in the grave sites of the myriad musical heroes that just happen to punctuate the map of the United States. This musical disparity will also have to be reflected in the Spotify playlist that will form another important aspect of the planning procedure, and ultimately provide the soundtrack to the unfolding narrative of the trip. Beetle number three is our 11-year-old daughter Annabelle, who naturally is as steeped in Disney as mum and dad. We've brought her up right. 
and rather surprisingly and impressively for someone of her age, has a genuine interest in history. To illustrate this particular character trait, one of the places she is most looking forward to visiting is Montgomery, Alabama, because she has developed a fascination with the story of Rosa Parks and is very excited about visiting the museum that carries her name. Annabelle is, however, rather nervous of the unknown and will most definitely not be riding either West or East Coast versions of the Haunted Mansion, primarily because they are, in her own 11 going on 17 words, creepy and weird. The final member of our travelling party is four-year-old Tyler. Now, I would not want you to think that his tender years make Tyler any less of a full-fledged partner in the family business. He has, after all, already managed to pack two visits to Disney World, a European Disney cruise and a road trip around New England into his four-year tenure in the company of Brooks, Brooks, Brooks and Brooks. He is also very much his own miniature man and has a well-defined set of preferences that encompass anything featuring Buzz and Woody, a deep and abiding interest in the works of Lightning McQueen and an ongoing desire to become a card-carrying member of the Avengers and or the Justice League. It may offer some insight into Tyler's character that, when asked recently what he would like to be when he grows up, he quickly answered, confirming Napoleon's stereotype of the English, that he wished to be a shopkeeper, then paused for a moment and added, and Batman. There are then some potential highlights of the trip that he is keen not to miss. Cars Land in Disney's California Adventure is an obvious example but Superman Square in Metropolis, Illinois and the Museum of Toys and Action Figures in St Paul's Valley, Oklahoma will offer him some equally thrilling, if rather less well-known, opportunities to continue his life's work. The culinary possibilities offered by a trip across the United States are a significant consideration of the plan, and these possibilities are exponentially increased when the trip is punctuated at either end by a visit to Disney theme park resorts. When the gastro quotient is ramped up even further by the addition of a three-night Bahamian cruise on the Disney Dream, I think it's safe to say that the contents of this book are unlikely to double as a weight loss manual. Reading menus and reviews, and looking at pictures of food from restaurants on the other side of the world that I may not eat a year or so in advance, is, much to my wife's amusement, something that I am more than willing to do for the team. This, though, is an area, perhaps even more than any other, that will need careful and detailed planning, as the diversity of entertainment preferences of my clan are nothing when compared to their food tastes. I am personally rather enthralled by the idea of fully embracing the spirit of the American road trip and spending a month sampling the very best in stateside road food. Somehow, the romance of the classic 50s diner, replete with chrome fittings and a waitress calling for chicks on a raft or bossy in a bowl, and finding out if this ever really happened outside of so many imagined episodes of Happy Days, seemed to be a central part of the raison d'etre of the whole quest. The problem, of course, is that my romantic image of said idealised establishment was probably difficult to find 60 years ago and virtually impossible to stumble into today. It's one of the great ironies of the adventure that in all likelihood the best chance of us finding a diner that looks, sounds and smells like the authentic image in my second-hand memory is actually within one of the Disney theme parks. Mind you, even if we do manage to get lucky enough to somehow fall through a tear in the fabric of time and discover that perfect little roadside diner, this will simply lead us to another problem. While, as I have said, I am giddy with excitement at the thought of such a place and positively salivating like a Pavlovian canine at the myriad of fried options on the menu, 
the other members of my band of intrepid travellers are rather less infused by the idea. While it is true that Tyler and I have done some father and son bonding over the humble concept of the hot dog of late, the reality is that he is invariably more interested in the novelty of the intersection between bun and ketchup and what manner of havoc that it is likely to cause around A, his mouth, and B, the rest of the dining room, than he is in really enjoying this American classic fare. Tyler, though, is the very least of our problems, as his sister, who is ironically almost as fascinated as me by the idea and the stylistic vision of the perfect diner, considers eating to be a major inconvenience. What's more, she has become a committed vegetarian, and when I say vegetarian, I mean a full-on militant teenager, do you know an animal had to die for you to eat that burger vegetarian? The added wrinkle to her vegetarianism is that the other thing that she doesn't seem to be able to abide is vegetables. So, just to recap, that's a vegetarian who dislikes vegetables, disapproves of people eating meat, and generally disavows the consumption of food altogether if she thinks she can get away with it. My wife, while not exactly vegetarian, she'll eat a bit of chicken at a pinch, doesn't really like meat either. Some people might therefore conclude that attempting to plan the eating portion of this trip could prove something of a minefield. To those people, I simply say that I am going to be sitting in a car for somewhere in the region of 70 hours with two kids who at their best are the light of my life, but at times could prompt St Christopher to question the wisdom of travelling beyond the end of his own driveway. I think that planning a few meal times, even with my family's special needs, is a challenge I am up to. Besides, I have a secret weapon and in identifying it, I have discovered that the cooks, chefs, and down-home just-like-mama-made-food vendors of the United States are the perfect allies to have in securing it. Two words, mac and cheese. Although Tyler insists that this pronunciation is unacceptable, and that it is macaroni and cheese, I know, but he's four, and I don't care what Super Nanny says, it's easier just to humour him. This stuff seems to be the magical crossover point in the complicated equation of Brooks family plus American road food equals everyone ends up happy and the older members of the family remain relatively sane. During my formative years growing up in TV land, I'm pretty sure that I heard a host of US national treasures, think Andy Griffith or Big Bird, using the phrase as American as apple pie but I'm not at all convinced that this adage might not be far more representative if it name-checked mac and cheese ahead of short crust and baked fruit. I'm even a little surprised, given his position as the father of the American Enlightenment, not to mention the American Adventure, that Ben Franklin didn't add said pasta delight to death and taxes in his observation of life's inevitabilities. Certainly to a kid from the grey and rainy side of the pond, it ranks alongside hamburgers and brontosaurus-sized T-bone steaks as the kind of fantasy cuisine that the heroes of Walt's mythical America would dine on before strapping on a jetpack or wrestling a bear. Perhaps more importantly than any of this though, my kids like it, my wife likes it, and they pretty much serve it in every establishment that allows me to gorge myself on the kind of food that will almost inevitably result in me leaving America large enough to apply, not for citizenship, but statehood. It is, I think, reasonable to say that planning for the trip has and will continue to occupy my time and attention for at least as many hours as it will take Sarah to drive us the 4,000-odd miles that will get us from one side of America to the other. Even that figure 
4,000 miles will give you a sense of the hours of painstaking thought and preparation that will go into this endeavour. Any fool with a web browser and the use of one finger could quickly tell you that the distance between Anaheim, California and Orlando, Florida is actually just under 2,500 miles. As I've already implied though, I am no ordinary fool. It has become a standing joke among my family that the route for this trip changes on an almost daily basis. At various times, there have been versions of the route map that have taken us through Utah, Colorado, Indiana and Louisiana, only for some shiny new point of interest, attraction or even restaurant 500 miles in the other direction to cause a rethink and recalculation. I've tried to stick as closely as I can to the determination that, regardless of the actual mileage, we won't be driving for any more than five hours in a single day, and that within those hours we'll stop to do or see something roughly every hour or so, whether it be to check the temperature at the world's tallest thermometer, to explore the deserted environs of a desert-flanking ghost town, or simply to hear my daughter for once use the word awesome in its true context, while gaping at some of the nation's most breathtaking vistas. This is, after all, a trip on which making good time is far less important than having one. This is also a journey on which, to return to Lao Tzu's famous proverb, every single step of those thousands of miles is not just closer to the destination, but the entire point of the experience. <laughs>